<laughs> hey, weirdos. Hey, weirdos. Oh, my gosh. Uh, hey, oh, weirdos. Rhea, Rhea. There we go, Rhea. <laughs> <laughs> um, that didn't work because I can't count down from three. Apparently, I started at, at four. So uh, that's your intro for this week, guys. Hello. Hey. Um, we'll work on it before next time. We'll practice. No, we'll, we we'll get it down. I'm Nina. I'm Bothwell. Rhea. And we are the Weirding Hour. Uh, we are weird. You are weird. You like weird things. We like weird things. We talk. You listen. Because we love ourselves and listen <gasps> to our own voices. And we craft. Why do you forget that? Like, it's a side thing that we just shove. Because <laughs> you know. Like, I feel like. Don't tell them our secret. <laughs> Respect the craft. And we craft some weird shit. What are we doing today? Potatoes. Potato. Potato prints. Potato printing. Yeah. I feel like I know what I want to do with mine, but I haven't planned it properly, so it's probably not going to work. But we'll see. Okay. Oh, and what's our topic? We are doing... Abandoned, abandoned locations, abandoned, abandoned places, rather similar to the forbidden places. No, they're different. One, you can't. Different. I just. Two, everybody left. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm going first this week. I spent a long time fucking around and not managing to find things because if you search abandoned locations then you just get up a load of urban explorer stuff which is mainly just photographs mm -hmm. um and i didn't think me describing photographs to everyone would be very interesting depending but, on the photo i would say uh, i'm not good. i'm not a descriptive person um, it, it wouldn't work um but then anyway i found uh i went on atlas obscura which is a fucking great website that I love full of weird places and I found the Eastern State Penitentiary. <gasps> Sounds amazing. I'm so excited already. So it's no yeah. longer abandoned but it did used to be abandoned so I'm counting that. Yeah, yeah just, that's fine. I really wanted to do this one because it, I just it looks so cool. Um, so I'm going to do a bit of background and then just some interesting stuff about it. The stuff that made me go, uh -huh, I want to talk about that place. Uh, it's got some good stories. So the Eastern State Penitentiary was a former prison in Philadelphia that was operational from 1829 to 1971. And on completion, it was the largest and most expensive public structure in the US at the time. Um, the yeah it's so it's um it's really famous because it's very influential so the design became known as the hub and spoke plan so it's that one where you have yeah. like the center and then you have all the uh cell blocks like sticking out from it so you can what look down all of them um and it's estimated that more than 300 prisons worldwide are based on the design of this one Ooh. um so it's super famous and it was abandoned from 1971 until the late 80s. Um, it basically, they basically closed it because the electrical and mechanical systems were in really bad shape. But it did say that the walls and the paint were in perfect condition. Oh, well, well good. As long as it looked pretty, that's <laughs> yeah. what counts. Um, and during the abandoned era, a forest grew in the cell blocks and <gasps> outside. 
yeah I know I bet it looked amazing yeah um and it became home to lots of stray cats oh yeah and the last city caretaker kept going in to feed them oh oh yeah cute Um, then the city of philadelphia bought the property and they were planning to redevelop it and there were proposals including a mall and a luxury apartment complex surrounded by the old prison walls yeah really though yeah until in 1988 fortunately there was a petition um to stop redevelopment that was successful and in 1994 it opened as a museum for historic tours which look fucking sick (laughs) i really want to go they also do ghost tours well you can take me (gasps) yeah can i come too when i'm rich we will all go okay well why don't you hurry up and get rich Um, okay, so uh, I'm just going to talk about the design and a bit of the history, really. So it was the first of its design, but it wasn't also not just physically, but they were trying this new kind of method of rehabilitation, I guess you could call it. Mm. Um, so following the American Revolution, the whole nation was aspiring to change its public institutions like education, medicine and government and lead by example in social development areas. Um, So (laughs) I love the name of this. Members of the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons. (laughs) Amazing. Mm. They sound like a fun bunch, don't they? (laughs) They expressed concerns with the conditions in American and European prisons, and they had a goal to set the international standard in prison design, as at the time, most American prisons were just like large holding pens with adults, children, men, women, petty thieves and murderers all in one place. Yeah. So Sounds like Toys R Us. (laughs) (laughs) All in one place. Toys R Us, Toys R Us. Yep. Just like Toys R Us. Just like Toys R Us. Wonder why it went bust. Uh, probably all those uh, criminals. Yeah, <laughs> shouldn't keep them on the high shelves. <laughs> just, they're just doing the classic move of um, riding around on the little toy cars. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so, it, so the penitentiary was designed as a result of all this in... So it's part of a controversial movement to try and change the behaviour of inmates through confinement in solitude with labour, a prison designed to create genuine regret in the criminal's heart through spiritual reflection. So the people trying to push this believe strongly that the criminals exposed in silence to thoughts of their behaviour and the ugliness of their crimes would become genuinely penitent, hence the name penitentiary. Ah. So this is like the first penitentiary, basically. Um, so instead of corporal punishment, they they enforced strict isolation uh, and it was used to prevent distraction, knowledge of the building and even mild interaction with the guards. Um, so the extent of that, they were hooded whenever they were outside their cells. Yeah. Which that's horrendous. That's, that is horrendous. Um, they were under constant surveillance. They're, they had metal doors, but they were covered by heavy wooden ones, which filtered out noise. And the cells had a single glass skylight representing the eye of God, suggesting to them that God was always watching them. The halls were designed to have the kind of feel of a church. And 
each cell had an individual exercise yard to enable the complete isolation, even to the extent like they had a timetable where if you were out in your separate yard, then your neighbours wouldn't be out in their yard. Yeah. Um, and the architect of it described the prison as a forced monastery. Oh. Mm, just what you want. You don't want those words together, do you? <laughs> like they just no. so belong, like forced no. monastery. Um, so despite all of that, the accommodations were quite advanced for the time for their time. Um, so in each cell there was hot water heating, a water tap, and a toilet that was remotely flushed twice a week by the guards. Oh, oh no! This was in an age when the White House had no running water and was heated with coal-burning stoves instead of hot water heating. So, sounds gross to us, but actually quite advanced. Maybe they didn't flush the toilet. Maybe it wasn't like every every go is a flush, you know? Well, you know, you know what I they say. Yellow is mellow, brown goes down. Who, who's, yellow, who, who says that? Yellow, like other, if it's other yellow, people, let it mellow. If it's someone brown, had to say it, down. otherwise how would I have heard it? It's mm. saving the world, man. Saving the border. Yeah. So if you ever see piss in my toilet, Saving the world. Saving the world. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you on behalf of us. <laughs> you're welcome. World, you're welcome. Despite all this kind of trying to punish people by penitence and no corporal punishment being involved, the re- reality was obviously different uh, because it's fucking horrific. Yeah. Um, So, guards and counsellors designed a variety of physical and psychological tortures for various infractions, which included dousing prisoners in freezing water outside during the winter, strapping prisoners into chairs with tight restraints for days on end, chaining their tongues to their wrists in a fashion such that struggling against the chains could cause the tongue to tear. Oh, no. No, why did we ever think that was okay? I know. Um, one of the other methods, it was the classic putting the worst behaved prisoners into a pit called the hole, which in this case was an underground cell block with no light, no human contact and little food for up to two weeks. Uh, oh. Classic. Classic. So that's prisony history e stuff. A uh, bit of background. And now these are all the interesting bits that I really liked. So um, I got a fun fact for you. The mental institution in 12 Monkeys, that awesome film, oh, yeah. was set in the cell blocks and central rotunda. So the like main middle. Oh, the hub. Yeah, whatever it's called. Um, there were some prison breaks. The first escape was in 1832 when an inmate serving as the warden's waiter lowered himself from the roof of the building. He was captured, but managed to escape again in the same way five years later. Nice. I know. That is so embarrassing for them. I know. Put a fence up for fuck's sake in the prison. Like, Uh, nah. He probably won't try again. Probably won't happen again. (laughs) What are the chances? What are the chances? Then on April the 3rd, 1945, 12 inmates escaped by a 97-foot tunnel they dug under the prison wall 
that had taken a year to dig. The convicts broke through to the other side during daylight hours and were spotted immediately by a passing police patrol and forced to flee. Most of the escapees were caught within minutes. The main builder of the tunnel was a prison plaster worker who had two years left on his sentence. He was out for two hours before being caught and got 10 years added to his Oh, come on. (laughs) I know. I think he was like, in hindsight, not my best move. Yeah. Probs. Um, And during renovations in the 1930s, they found 30 incomplete... Incomplete... 30... During renovations in the 1930s, they found 30 incomplete tunnels dug by inmates. <laughs> I wonder what you were going to say then. I wonder what the incomplete bit was going to be. It's like incomplete what? Sentences. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, and during the 142 years it was in use, over 100 inmates escaped, but only one was never recaptured. Oh. They even caught one who made it as far as Hawaii. Oh gosh, so That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's probably not worth trying to escape. Yeah, apparently they really do their jobs well there. Well, not at keeping them in, but going out to get them back. Yeah, yeah, like they're so embarrassed they have to be good at like one of the things. They're not really into prevention. No, it's definitely all about the problem solving. Yeah. Mm. Um. So, couple of notorious criminals for ya. I. Uh, Al Capone, so the mafia boss of the Chicago outfit, spent eight months there. Um, An article describes his cell. The whole room was suffused in the glow of a desk lamp which stood on a polished desk. On the once grim walls of the penal chamber hung tasteful paintings and the strains of a waltz were being emitted by a powerful cabinet radio receiver of handsome design and fine finish. I can't believe Rhea didn't snigger at penal chamber. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just really impressed with my printing. Oh, my so God. Just... Listen to what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Oh, ooh, ooh. oh my gosh. Yeah, there's a photo of, of his the penal cell. chamber. <laughs> of the penal yeah, check chamber. out that huge penal, penal chamber. chamber. <laughs> um, penal. I think the walls when he were there were white. Um, I'm also going to post this photo on our like social medias when this episode goes out. But it's pretty fucking swish, man. And he was only there for eight months. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. I mean, having spent the pandemic being stuck in our houses and us getting sick of them, I think it doesn't necessarily matter how That's nice true. your cell is painted. I guess the prison is still a prison. No, you probably just have to found. make penile jokes. <laughs> yeah. To get through it. <laughs> I'll meet you in the penile chamber if you catch my drift. Like, oh, yeah, no, I might leave it for today, Capone. He's got a powerful cabinet radio in his penal chamber. Hey, hey, what's he transmitting? Oh, no! Diseases. (laughs) Fuck's sake. (laughs) Well, this brings us nicely on to the the next notorious criminal that I want to talk about, who is called Willie Sutton. Hey. And he actually earned, earned the nicknames Willie the Actor and Slick Willie. Oh, no. Hey. Because he was a famous bank robber um, and he was notorious for wearing disguises. 
Um, and over 40 years, he stole around $2 million. Oh. Yeah. What disguises do you have to, to wear so that nobody recognises your penis is out? <laughs> it's those glasses with the moustache attached. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. Foolproof. Because everyone's going, look at those hilarious glasses. They're like, Ria, what do you think of those glasses? Oh, she's gone. She was just uh, by that wall. <laughs> <laughs> We have to tell that story. We need context. That's an in-joke, listeners. Uh, yes, Ria was telling us the story of how one time when uh, much younger and highly inebriated, whilst walking home along a roadside, she was trying to hide from the cars. That There is no context for that. She was just trying to hide hide from the cars. And she was doing so by trying to basically dissolve into the wall. She described it as every time a car came past, I just stopped and moved closer to the wall. <laughs> Thereby becoming invisible <laughs> to the human eye. Yeah, well, you know, obviously, uh, people in cars are a lot like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. You know, they they can't they they just can't movement. see movement. Don't move. <laughs> oh, science <laughs> is nowhere near here but sure. oh, man. that was a long slow walk home <laughs> your shoulder yeah, was probably pretty sore by the end wasn't it I was just like it was running rush it a lot it took four days <laughs> oh, okay back to me and my slick willy Oh no. Uh, uh, so, yeah, famous bank robber, and he was also one of the 12 who escaped from the tunnel that was dug in 1945. Uh, but I'm assuming he was caught. Uh, well, if everyone else was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he took credit for planning it. Well, he obviously didn't plan it very well. Uh. <laughs> yeah, popping up on the street in the daytime, not ideal. <laughs> I'd like to take credit for that failure, please. <laughs> <laughs> Not so slick now, are you, Willie? Oh, so gross. Um, and finally, my last one is, so they weren't a notorious criminal, but they were made famous by their imprisonment. So like the other way around. So in 1924, the Pennsylvania governor sentenced Pep, the cat murdering dog, to a life sentence in the prison. Pep, who was an actual dog, allegedly murdered the governor's wife's cherished cat. Wow. On August 12th, he was taken into custody, assigned an inmate number and had his mugshot taken. His sentence was the same as that for people charged with murder, life without parole. What? So did he just go live at the prison? So in reality... A newspaper reporter made that bit up and Pep belonged to the governor who donated him to the prison as a mascot <laughs> to the prisoners and a way of improving inmate morale. Um, okay, that's quite nice. I got a little photo of him with his in his mugshot. Um, oh, and he was allowed to free... He looks so sad. I know. He's like, am I really going to prison? <laughs> I don't want to go to jail. Oh, look at him. <laughs> I didn't mean to kill the cat. It was an accident. So he was allowed to freely roam the prison halls and he became beloved by both guards and inmates. And in 1926, the governor's wife declared that Pep never killed a cat or anything else, 
it is all a slanderous and unjustified attack on his reputation. But basically, he was like a prison dog who just got to go hang out and get loads of attention from loads of people. Oh, I mean, he's dogs like... are too good for us. They're just way yeah, too they, good for they us. They obviously are, but I don't, I don't understand what the. I don't, I don't. Di... Did they why, tell why the journalist that that's why he was going to prison and then that's why the journalist print that? Or the journalist was like, I'm I just going to make up a fun story. About it being like a weird political approach from the newspaper because the governor was Republican and they were trying to like, it, like there were rumours spreading that he was going to take his dog to, like going to send this dog to prison which he was but for like morale reasons but the newspaper like twisted it into a like this governor's so crazy he's sending dogs to prison he's taking advantage of blah 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 i mean <laughs> look at my sources if you want to read about it i didn't yeah, go into no, yeah because it was a bit it was a bit vague and i only really cared about the dog yeah i didn't care what he did he didn't do anything he was just being look at his face and he's beautiful. He is beautiful. But saying I read a crime he didn't commit. <laughs> he's <laughs> fucking pissed about it. He um the things I read said he lived a happy life because there's lots of people around him that loved him and he enjoyed it. And because he was the best boy. Yeah. So that's it, man. That's um Eastern State Penitentiary. I enjoyed that. That was super interesting. Why are abandoned prisons and like they've just got and such history? Mental institutions. I know you just you just want to be in it, don't you? So that I was on their website a bit, and the museum that they've turned it into now looks so cool. Like they've obviously got so much history, and they've like left some of it in decay and preserved some bits of it, and you can see Al Capone's cell, and you can read about. Uh, what's his name? What's the dog's name? Pep, Pep, Pep. Pep. You can read about Pep, and I really want to go. And they do ghost tours. <laughs> I yeah, really want to go. I really want to go. And then, uh, can you you can take some photos of me pretending to be an inmate? It'll be great. <laughs> I bet no one's ever thought of that before. I know. I know. It'll be <laughs> completely unique. You can pretend to be Al Capone. Uh, I, I yeah, I could. Um, <laughs> I'd believe you're a mafia. Yeah, boss. like convincingly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's something about your demeanor. I think you could pull it off. Yeah. It's I... something about the way you're sat in that chair, like lean back, shoulders up, looking confident, looking <gasps> like you don't take no oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Truth be told, guys. I am Al Capone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Is it the truth? Um, Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted you claiming to be Al Capone again. Okay. We'll come back to that. Okay. Um, So, like Nina, I had uh, a big kind of plod around looking for the best abandoned place to do. Um, Oh, shame you missed out. Oh. Oh. Singed me. Uh, I found this one, which is... It's kind of out the way, but I just, I really love the story. And I have to say, a bit like Nina's one, I absolutely loved the photos. Um, and the best kind of account of this place I got from somebody's blog, I'll obviously list it in the references so that you guys can go and have a look. Um, 
when the episode is is live, um, but it's just amazing. So I'm going to be talking about, again, I really hope I pronounce this correctly. I think it's the Liu family mansion, also known as the dreaded Minjong ghost house. <gasps> Yes. Okay. So the Liu Mansion is um, one of the most famous ruins in Taiwan. It's situated in the countryside and is located just outside of um, the Chian Plain or Chinan Plain, um, which is basically like a nearly endless expanse of rice paddies. And you get things like tin shacks there, um, kind of drainage canals. It, it's a very like it's very much the countryside. And then you have this enormous three story, like kind of Baroque revival styled red brick house. Oh, um, it was built in 1929 for Liu Rongyu, um, who was a businessman who had seven children. Um, and they believed the house was abandoned in the 1950s. So kind of not long after the Japanese colonial rule there. Uh, or the end of the, uh, the Japanese colonial rule. So there are a few ghost stories linked with this place because it's uh, it's just this enormous, beautiful mansion. And, and it's so rare to have kind of like a three-story building like that anywhere in that area was just, you know, sort of an extraordinary thing to see. But at some point, this family have just completely abandoned it and just kind of left it to become... Um, sort of fully overgrown you know like Nina was describing in her story yeah. you can see the footage of how the trees have actually wrapped around the buildings and are kind of growing up in between them I'll, I'll show you some pictures in a sec guys and um, hopefully we can put some up as well so people can see them but anyway moving on to the ghost stories ghost stories so, the first one <laughs> I think Rhea might be excited <laughs> I was so excited by this um, so the first one concerns the Liu's family maid. So apparently she was in love with Liu Rongyu, um, and who is the family patriarch. And they believed that they had, it was believed that they had an affair and were discovered, um, or potentially that he broke off the relationship. Um, but for whatever reason, she was incredibly upset by the fact that, you know, they'd had this relationship um, and that it was over. And so she apparently took her own life by drowning herself in the well on the property. Mm, um, that's that's a surefire way to really turn the water in the it, local area. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, it's, it? you know, I think lots of the cultural implications there, it was, you know, sort of denoting really bad luck that her spirit would be forever kind of associated with the grounds. It immediately made me think of the ring. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that there's this idea that she roams around um the, the, well, she roamed around the house and it became so bad that the entire family had to pack up and leave. The other story that fits in with that narrative is that um, his wife actually found out about the affair. And rather than kind of firing her and kicking her out of the house, she just made her life a complete misery to the point where she had to throw herself down a well. Um, mm. Which either way is kind of seen as the catalyst for the abandonment. That's why they've they've left the house. Um I mean, because you would, wouldn't you? Exploding round. I, yeah, I mean, I think I would. I think I'd be pretty upset. Um, Probably not a very cheerful ghost. No, and then also, you know, there's the fact that your husband's had an affair and, um, you know, pretty much made someone's life so awful that they felt they had to kill themselves. So, like, you wouldn't want to stay with him either. You no, really wouldn't no. want to, like, stay in the... I've, I've got a pen lid and no pen. <laughs> I feel like maybe those are two separate points. 
<laughs> I don't Are know if Penlid explains her actions with the wealth. On a par they're, with separate. they're separate, but they're both on the top of my head. Okay. <laughs> All righty. I'm going to move it along. Um, so that is story number one about it being haunted. The second story is linked to um, a Japanese imperial arm army. So supposedly a group of soldiers were stationed here during the war, which is not unrealistic. Like I said, this is this is a um, kind of structure that was incredibly unusual. It was enormous comparative to all of the kind of local places that you would be able to stay in. We're talking about kind of shanty houses versus enormous mansion. Um, so they were stationed there during the war. One night, supposedly, uh, while the majority of the troops were asleep, um, one of the soldiers who was on watch uh, saw a figure stepping out of the moonlight mist um, towards the edge of the property, uh, has panicked and has fired his gun. This has then supposedly caused the rest of the army to wake up, panic and start shooting their guns. And what you've had, uh, what you've kind of had is a, a kind of bloodlust paranoia massacre whereby they've uh, essentially wiped themselves out. The soldiers hunted each other into extinction, into extinction. I, they don't sound particularly well trained. Well, I suppose if you're thinking about the house as being a spoopy kind of place, you know, like, who is that figure? Because it could well be, again, these are stories a bit like the legends we've talked about before, where it's hard to kind of corroborate if these people actually existed. But there's no reason to say that the situation with the maid couldn't have happened prior to the army and the army saw the maid. Right. Mm. Panicked and started shooting. That's so what was the, um, what was your bloodlust phrase? Uh, this was, this was somebody else's, but they said the soldiers hunted each other to extinction in a fit of bloodlust and paranoia. Oh, you said like paranoid bloodlust massacre or something. And I was like, sick bad name. <laughs> yeah. yeah I I think I did. Mean, it's I also a movie. Record. I'm definitely going to watch. <laughs> Um, so to this day, one of the things that kind of makes this, I believe, the more commonly ghost story told in relation to the house is because that you still get these occasional reportings of mist, sort of mysterious mist that envelops the manor at night time. Um, yes. Um, and people are kind of wary or, or, or uh, sort of picturing these Japanese troops marching across the plain. But whether or not you know, that is just, again, complete hearsay. It's very hard to tell. Um, the last story, I was unable to find many facts about at all. But there is another account where there are some Taiwanese soldiers who all got sick and died after spending time in the house. Um, so it is, in fact, their ghosts who wander around. Um, just in case you see a soldier there and confuse it with one of the Japanese ones, it could well be a Taiwanese one who had food poisoning. Yeah, like don't be <laughs> racist, guys. Yeah, they're not the same, so don't be rude. Um, also, food poisoning sure. and death by paranoid massacre bloodlust blood is not the same. No, it's not. No, they so probably would have a, a different visual effect. Yes, one is definitely more. Um, <laughs> well, I Metal. don't know. Yes, there we go. That's yeah. the word. I was like, what's the appropriate word to say here? Um, but one of the things that I was wondering is actually if it's more about. Um, the legend is kind of dependent on who's telling the story, you know, like and, and what their interest might be for some people. It might be um, the Japanese soldiers and kind of, you know, relating to their colonial rule or for others, they might want it to be kind of Taiwanese soldiers. So it's yeah. more related to their own 
countries you know so it's hard to say um but you have all these stories obviously tied in with this property it is kind of worth um mentioning the fact that like i said this house was really enormous really beautiful and they don't actually have any idea as to why it was completely abandoned you know so whatever it is it's it's quite you know it may not be these ghost stories but i suppose it's quite a an interesting way to interpret it's got to be something bad well you would think i mean some people said they might just have you know had a change in business and and therefore moved but again it's it seems it seems odd to have left it i suppose perhaps if it was incredibly valuable and nobody else could potentially afford to live there yeah maybe no one if it's out in the middle of nowhere maybe no one with enough money to buy it would want want to live there yeah yeah it i always think it depends um if they take their belongings with them because you know if there's fucking if they've left all their shit behind something has gone down yeah yeah i don't think it said actually it just said it was abandoned in the 1950s to me that always implies that abandoned sounds like they've left their their stuff there doesn't it it doesn't it it sounds it always implies it but it doesn't always mean it yeah like they it sometimes it can be they've just fucking moved away so one of the um, tiny little facts I found out about this that I really enjoyed <laughs> was um, it, it, you know, Taiwan is um, a country that is built on quite a lot of superstition. So, you know, they do sort of believe in um, the, the, the idea of the spiritual and, you know, kind of souls lost and sort of wandering. Um, but the person who wrote this, uh, the blog, also described them as being <laughs> financially very savvy. And so apparently what you have is next this beautiful old building that is kind of wrapped around with trees and and, and that sort of thing is you have a small cafe. <laughs> that sells oh, nice. Kind of. Um, <laughs> you know kind of knickknacks and 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 guff basically that's all like this is the, and it's called the haunted cafe <laughs> wow so yeah i really enjoy the fact that they've essentially kind of cashed in on, <laughs> on the mansion i'm going to share with you a little picture um and again hopefully we can um release these pictures with the podcast as well yeah um where are you putting it this is just it's in the chat it's just one of the buildings um to kind of give you an idea it's so <gasps> that's so pretty it's, it's lovely, beautiful. isn't it? Beautiful. The guy who, um, oh. the guy who went visiting it, did actually say, um, "It's not like when you're there. It's not you don't necessarily get a kind of haunted feel. It's not kind of particularly spooky. If anything, it's just really, really beautiful." Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, it's so you know, kind of when you visit there, it's so tied up with the lore around it in terms of the ghosts um, that you can get kind of quite wrapped up in it. But yeah, so oh. that was my. It was kind of like a mi- little mini story, but I just. I just loved this idea. And I think it was the photos as well. I just, it yeah. just looks so beautiful. Yeah, they're I beautiful. Do, <gasps> I do want to go there. Yeah, it looks amazing. Oh, there's another one. Yeah, sorry. I just sent one more picture. I'm going to Oh, one. they're lovely. Oh, so would you say, guys sorry. go camping there? 100%. You mean Absolutely. overnight? Yeah, overnight. Like, what else? What? Who would go <laughs> camping during the day? Just a, just a you- nap. Just a nap. Set your tent up for the day and then take it down when you haven't stayed in it. <laughs> um, would I? What in the house? Yeah. No. Probably not. What if? But not because of ghosts. Just because I'm scared of the dark. <laughs> I'm also scared of the dark. So and I'd be I... more scared of the dark in that location than I would in a nice camp field. Yeah, I think what I would do is I would not 
set up a tent because the second you set up a tent then you've like blocked your vision to anything that could be coming so i could sit there all night with a fire going and not sleep and i would probably be okay but if i were at any point to try and like lie down and close my eyes there i wouldn't like it right that's i'm gonna get tired staying up i wouldn't say that's camping either i don't think either of us know what (laughs) (laughs) no uh no i i would agree with you there (laughs) camping camping isn't just like a dare to just see how long you can stay awake and scared (laughs) i forgot to say guys sorry that they do say of all the places that you can because obviously you can go and visit and have a wander around the grounds and stuff but they do say that you shouldn't go anywhere near the well um because apparently if you do you'll end up being plagued with bad luck and misfortune oh i I won't just like fall in and drown no you won't get her bad luck and misfortune but you will get Uh, bad luck uh, and misfortune. oh right okay well yeah that's fine i could probably okay cool (laughs) i could probably go near the well then i'll probably do that no yeah i mean (laughs) Really, like I'm already bad luck and misfortunate. I don't care. It's all, it's all, you know, like it's all relative. I, listen, if I stand close to the well, but I'm real still. <laughs> are, you, are you near a wall? <laughs> Can you be well, seen? No, because then you'd just we'd leave because we think you'd fallen in the oh, well, man. And disappear. That's We're not up. going near the well to check if you're in there. Oh, no, that's true. So actually, we've just abandoned you. Yeah, that would be bad. That would be a bad situation. And you'd be abandoned at that right. location. I'm convinced. I will just constantly move so that <laughs> nobody is confused about whether I'm there or not. Oh, good. Fuck. <laughs> anyway, I, I, yeah. Um, so it's my turn now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, my location is uh, a place called... Wittenoom. Have you guys heard of it? Wittenoom. 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 Uh, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Um, <sighs> let's see if I can say it with an accent. You are. <sighs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess she means not her own. Uh, no, I can't. I'm too scared. I won't do, well, it. do, it. do, do it. it. Do it. Do it. Wittenoom. Cool. what accent was i doing guys (laughs) 100 scottish yes different one to yours yours with a slight twang there was a little of some kind i was trying to do australian When you put the the stereotypical yeah. bullshit on the end, then we get it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So, Wittenoom is a town, or at least was a town, uh, located near Perth uh, in Australia. It, it's pretty much abandoned now. Um, in 2015, there were three residents still hanging on. And I think in 2018, they turned off the water and they turned off the power. Um, and they did offer these three residents money to leave. But they might well not have done. Um, so this was the last record I had of it in 2018. So the story of Wittenoom and why they would be quite so bloody keen for these residents to leave. 
1917, uh, there were some people uh, traveling out uh, around Wittenoom. Langley Hancock was <laughs> exploring the area and he discovered Wittenoom Gorge uh, on the Mulga Downs property. And that was in the in the 1930s. So in 1917, there were already some uh, mines in the area, but Langley Hancock discovered blue asbestos. So blue asbestos mines at the Wittenoom Gorge. So there were already white asbestos mines nearby, and he happened to look on the blue asbestos called Crocked Delight. You uh, what? Crocky you might. You might Crocky asbestos. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. I thought yeah. asbestos was man-made. It's crystals. What the fuck? Yeah. I thought it was man-made and that's why it fucks your lungs up so much. Um, it's it's because it's very fine crystals. So like once they get in, it's it's just it's it's fucking bad. It's oh God. It's bad fucking news. You can start um, right there. You've already blown my fucking mind. Yeah. Okay, well done. Cool. Uh, <laughs> we enjoyed that. Thank you. <laughs> so Love he, you. Uh, he picked up the gorge, um, and I think it was uh, Walter Leonard bought uh, the mine or the area from him, and they were like treating the white asbestos at the time that was nearby at Nunyeri. Um and. The Wittenoom Gorge wasn't originally called the Wittenoom Gorge. It was originally uh, called Yampire. Um, and then they changed the name later to Wittenoom. And, oh yes. So when Leonard um, cabled the Walters to say that there was a two-mile area of this blue asbestos at Yampire Gorge. Um, and this is a quote, I love it. They cabled him back saying he should take a holiday. Uh, basically, could you fuck off? Oh. Uh, and uh, well, and but because no, they didn't believe him. Yeah, they didn't believe him. They didn't. Believe so they were him. like, "Is that the equivalent of like shut up?" Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, fuck off, mate. Take yeah. a holiday. <laughs> Take <laughs> a holiday, mate. I love that. Um, so we're gonna Fair say enough. that all the time now. Uh, <laughs> I so... should have said that when you told me asbestos comes out the fucking ground. Yeah. Take a holiday, Ria. <laughs> Fucking so then they started to mine the area and uh, by 1940, uh, 22 men were employed at the Yampire Gorge workings and about 375 tons were mined and transported to the coast. Oh. Um, so it became really successful during the war years. So um, in 1943 and, and uh, running up to 1943, uh, they were selling it to England and they were using it in the gas masks Ooh. to filter oh damn yeah don't want to filter with asbestos man no no you no, fucking you don't. don't no you really fucking don't and I think the blue asbestos is actually uh, it's worse than the white asbestos I'm, I'm not like sure blue why. food colouring yeah, the blue food colouring, it just makes it less healthy. Um, <laughs> don't eat blue. Don't eat the asbestos, guys. Yeah, please don't. Please never do that. Wait, can, can so, you not eat it? I thought it's just breathing that's bad. 
Uh, for you, uh, oh, you don't. Yeah, you don't need the poisonous material, right? Me now. Yeah. In, do, you know, just don't, don't put it in you. Don't <laughs> anywhere. Don't right. use your blue asbestos dildo. Do not <laughs> eat. But it was so cheap. <laughs> I mean, and I was I, promised that if I put it up there, it would give me health properties like my jade egg. Uh, <laughs> We should yeah, start a rumor shit. that um, Goop is selling asbestos dildos oh to my promote god. health yeah. and well-being of the vagine. Oh my god! I bet they fucking would as well. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah. So in in 1943, uh, they were actually doing really well. Like uh, they started employing more people, um, and they were mining huge areas of asbestos mines. And that is uh, about when they started to set up a town nearby to employ all the men and also house their families. So Wittenoom started to have, you know, church, school, shops, um, you know, everything that you need to make a town really fucking work. You know, town stuff. Town stuff. Uh, so I think at the at the height of it, there were 7,000 workers. So there's a, you know, that's a lot of, that's 7,000 men who worked in the big, mines. Yeah, big town. And their families and, and, and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. So as I said, in 1946 to 1947, the company town was built to house the miners and their families. Um, and then from 1950 until the early 1960s, Wittenoom was Australia's only supplier of asbestos. So, uh, and they mined around 161,000 tons. Oh, man. Oh. They're going to have fucked up lungs. Yeah. Yes. So... In 1961, there were the first uh, suggestions that being around asbestos would actually, you know, fuck you up and not be a good idea. So there was a senior government uh, medical official, uh, Eric Saint. He was the area's flying doctor. Love that. Um, who had gone to found uh, the, the university, WA's medical school. And he warned uh, that there were issues surrounding asbestos. And and it was clear, like it. It was obvious there were a growing number of chest infections in um, in Wittenoom. There were lots of people sort of becoming mysteriously ill, and uh, and he made it clear to the company. He he tried to get uh, the government to actually um, impose like safety restrictions, but the company just uh, didn't do them. Like just just didn't. Yeah, because money. Yeah, because money. Give me all that money. So basically, when people were starting to get ill, they, they weren't realizing it was um, asbestosis, um, which I think then uh, creates an opportunity for cancer to kind of form around those, form around the lungs or in other parts of the body. But it starts at the lungs where the asbestos is. And all it really takes is one fiber getting in there. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, for it to be fatal. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it's some nasty yeah, shit. Really fucking nasty. So um, during the mining operations, oh, it's saying more than 20,000 men, women and children lived in Wittenoom. So I say it was around 7,000 were the working men. And then I guess everyone else sort of surrounding that. Uh, 
And it is now estimated that over 25% of all the men who worked in the mines will die of asbestos-related diseases. So I think already out of the the 7,000 that were employed, uh, 2,000 have died. I think we shouldn't end on your topic. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's really sad. Sorry, guys. Uh, it's it's gonna get fucking worse. Oh, oh. <laughs> yay! I'm doing a me. I thought I was gonna talk about uh, so like there's a BBC uh video of Bronwyn Duke who lived in Whittenham when she was little, and um, is that someone famous? No, no, but it, it's it's just the the name of the woman in the video. But basically, right. her um her brothers, her cousins, uh, her father all died of asbestos related illnesses mm. well fuck and uh and already when they were moving away her father was already ill um and he and he had developed asbestosis mm. and sorry i found the word for the cancer um that's related so it's mesothelioma um i'm sure i'm not saying that right and you can you can Google this and you can find photos uh, of the area. And there's one photo that's quite famous of Philip Noble and his friend Ross Monroe. And the photos, it's 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 crazy. So um, the asbestos was used uh, to pave the roads. It was used just in everything, even for sandboxes. Oh my god. Which is what these two boys were playing in. Oh. There is a photo you can find of these two boys when they're about they look about sort of 6 and 7 and they're playing in the asbestos and um and the photo was taken by their aunt uh Carol Farber and basically both of those boys uh died in their 30s. Mm. Wow. From asbestos related illnesses. Um, and yeah, so quoting Carol, she says, the workers used to spread out all the tailings, uh, all over town because they reckoned it took the heat out of the red dirt road in Pilbara. The blue asbestos fibers were used to absorb the heat because it was pretty hot up there most of the time. Someone had dumped a big pile of the stuff at the bottom of our driveway. Uh, the two boys were just jumping around in the stuff when I took the picture. Like, Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. And it was raked across the schoolyard as well. Oh, jeez. Why? Yeah. <laughs> they, they just had it. Love this they stuff, used man. it and they didn't know. Like, nobody was telling them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'd get that bit, but like, a pile of leaves didn't get raked across the schoolyard, you know? Mm, just because yeah. you got it doesn't mean you got to use it. No, it's fair. So there's a, a memorial in Perth to the people who lived there. And eventually they did sort of ensure that laws were put into place. Um, and the the company, I think, actually closed down in 19, 1966 because it became uneconomic. Um, oh, yeah. and then... Sorry, wait a sec. Are you OK? Bothwell. Yeah. OK, you fully oh. look like you're crying. No, I look sorry. I, I immediately had to Google her asbestos picture of the boys in the sand, and then I was sad. <laughs> sorry. Okay. No, no this was. I was like, oh my god, boss was having a breakdown. No, no, it's really horrible. It is really horrible. 
Sorry. Why is it still in our shit as well? Like, why do we still have asbestos in stuff? Because it's actually, in some cases, it. it's more dangerous to try and take it out because then you're exposing it and those fibers can get out and in the air. So they've done uh, a lot now. They've they cut the power grid off. They've officially, you know, they've closed the town. They've demolished buildings. But there's still, did you say there were still three people refusing to leave? Yeah, because it's beautiful there. Like, it's stunning. And the people who live there don't want to go back to the hustle and bustle of big towns. They want their house that was theirs, you know, that they've lived in forever, you know? Like, I don't understand it. And they've been offered money to go. But, like, some people, you know, it's literally... I find it really interesting, the, like, psychology of people not wanting to leave abandoned locations. Yeah. So it... interesting. And and they, there's also some paranoia that there's something that the government's trying to get them out of there to access. And it's like, no, no, it's, it's really, it's genuinely because it's dangerous. Please don't, please yeah. don't stay here. And it has actually become a bit of a dark tourism area. Mm. So in 2018, a thousand people visited the town. You can wear masks that stop you breathing in asbestos, right? Yeah. Because that's how they remove it. These people, they take photos, they put them up, they, you know, they either believe that it's not as dangerous as everyone said, or it's kind of showing off. But yeah, they've tried to do everything to make sure that people don't go there, including removing Wittenoom from the map. Like, it does not exist as a town anymore. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, they've just... But people will go, won't they? They'll if they yeah. want to go, they'll find yeah. it. They will, they will. But uh, if they knew that only one piece of it could get in your lungs and cause cancer, then hopefully they'll wear a fucking decent mask when they yeah. go. Yeah. Well, you'd think with the COVID that people would wear a mask to not get COVID. But yeah. uh, if I can't see it, it's not real. Yeah. I'm going to finish on uh, a note, which is they're still uh, trying to get legislation uh, in line so that actually people can be properly compensated um, for their for their asbestos related health issues. Because at the moment, there's still there's still not really that compensation Mm. from what was basically a company that just knew the issues they were raised and just didn't do anything about it so it's always the fucking way yeah yeah if if they know if it's not illegal yet they'll keep going till it's illegal yeah so sorry i i did a real like downer (laughs) one uh they are still, you know, doing work to af- help people affected by the Whitnoom disaster, but it is slow going. Mm. Um, and and I think it's it's a tragic town. It's, it's and that's it's why it's really abandoned sad. because it you you just shouldn't be there. And yeah, people were just living their lives there, and and they probably thought they had a great job. You know, they mm. were out wherever, had a nice house. You know, like. Um, can what's it like? You said it was beautiful. Is it like? Yeah, it's it, stunning. It's um so it really it, green and lush. No, it's uh so because it it's it is a mining area, so it's it's kind of like more sort of beautiful rock formations and pools. Mm. There's a pool nearby that people still actually go and use. Mm. 
Um, they do say um, if you stay away from the tailings, you're probably better off. So like the the off casts of the minings, that's where it's the most dangerous. Like the the piles of asbestos. Yeah, yeah essentially. It's so like it's it's the those photos are so haunting because you're just like it's so dangerous and you've just got these two little kids like it's all over their face they're like smiling mm. like ee, and there's it's like when you see them like playing with radioactive material before yeah. yeah it's so like yeah it's it's a gorge so it's kind of like the you can see the striations sort of in the land and those sorts of like it's it's hot so it's not foresty but it is I don't know why I'm nodding, pretending I know what striations are. That's stripes. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> stripes like the, in the rock. Yeah, essentially. Stripey rocks. So yeah. we are hoping there be... There you go, Nina. Look, can you see? Yeah. Okay. Rocky, deserty. Nice colours. Yeah, colors. I, I, I don't... I don't know. I don't like dry places. I need... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you as that. Well. I like no, I agree. I much prefer foresty areas, but in its own way, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I can see why you want to go visit. It's just not. Yeah. They just looking at the photos of dry places make me feel thirsty. Yes. Yeah. Me too. And there's a there's a gem. Well, there was a gem shop there that that seemed to be operating quite a long time, and and there's warning signs all around the town. So hopefully. People will continue to stay away. Mm. But yeah, like asbestos. Asbestos fucking kills. Yeah. Asbestos bad. It is. And um, and now that I think about it, maybe my potato printing is that it's asbestos crystals. <laughs> <laughs> it looks fucking dope, though. Yeah, it's very pretty. I, that's yeah. so that's, like... like I googled blue asbestos and it genuinely oh, is pretty. Amazing. Yeah, like, and you want to look at it, and yeah, but but don't don't play in it. Yeah, definitely oh. don't play in it. That was so interesting, Ria. You have really bummed me out, but <laughs> yes. really I'm just glad someone else has done a really horrendous one for once, so I don't feel like a fucking psychopath. Yeah, no. it's it's not normally me that does the really sad ones. So uh... thanks. Yeah, let's talk about Pep. Yeah, let's go back to the little. Do- Wait, hang on. When was when was Pep in the prison? He's still alive. Shut up. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, Good. obviously. Don't ask. So he's still in prison. <laughs> he's it was he alive then. without parole. <laughs> Wait, he murdered a cat. Wait, he murdered a cat. So it was life without parole. Oh, <laughs> <No>. yes. <laughs> I'm not what sorry. Poor role. Oh, nice both as bad as each other. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, talking about Pep. Pep is my inspiration. I'm not finished yet, but this is his, the shape of his head. He's got some fluff, um, and this is going to be his um, mugshot. Yeah, his whatever the oh, number I is, see. prisoner number. Nice. I thought it was just a massive tick. <laughs> oh no! It look yeah okay. It looks like legs. I'm not finished. <laughs> uh, I did say I needed to print of a tick. 
<laughs> I mean, there probably were ticks in that prison. Ticks, ticks happen oh, in prison. Yeah, they? yeah, I would imagine. Mine is not finished, but it is the the Baroque style house in potato print, which you will have to see later. Okay, perfect. That sounds very tricky to do. (laughs) (laughs) Should you? I really enjoyed that, and I want to put abandoned locations back in the hat because I found so many that I wanted to show. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. But speaking of the hat. Sock hat, hat sock, hat bag, sock bag. I have it here. Also, can we only do potato prints from here on out? (laughs) It's really fun. I love it. Potato print. Potato. And very easy to do along at home. All you need, bit of paint, some potatoes, piece of paper. It's wonderful. I actually used uh, printing inks. Yeah, but I mean, you're... (laughs) (laughs) I used acrylic it paints guys so stop listening to bougie ria you can use what you want you don't even need a paintbrush you can just i use the paints you can buy the works. they are three pounds when the shops are open yeah minor uh, hobby craft value crafts <gasps> guys what is it demons <gasps> yes <gasps> yes Demons. I'm excited. Um, That's really exciting. So we need to pick a craft. Demon craft. That sounds like a brilliant German band name. (laughs) Are there any more food based artworks? (laughs) Asparagus printing? (laughs) Is that a thing? I mean, if you Put <laughs> <Not> <laughs> on it. Yes, we could try painting with asparagus. It seems a bit too expensive. <laughs> yeah, that, that. Speaking of bougie, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could do pasta again. Some pasta demons might look pretty sick. Yes, okay. I won't do it in my bed this time. Yeah, that seems like a good idea. And you should probably use my quinoa uh, spaghetti. <laughs> you kind of want your quinoa bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Was it tandoori quinoa spaghetti? It was all yeah, very like wrong. Curry. It was curried quinoa spaghetti. Don't it try was... to that shit off on me, Ria. <laughs> it was unacceptable. We can all agree. Because you're gluten-free, Nina. I, I don't mean to be. My stomach just hates it. Well, that's why I would give you the quinoa spaghetti. <laughs> don't lie. It's just because you don't fucking want it. <laughs> I don't understand how to cook it. <laughs> I know. We know. Oh, I know. You, you, you take it and you place it in the trash can. Oh, and that's how you do it. <laughs> what are we talking about? What were we talking about? Human spaghetti. You were talking about pasta artwork to go with our demon topics, and we also have to say, please rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, and sources are found in the description. <gasps> Nicely remembered. Yeah, but please, I know we bang on about it every week and I'm sure everyone just skips this bit, but if you could share it, it it would be really great. It would be super, Fabby. It's really hard to get people to listen to a podcast, even when it's free. I think you need you need like personal recommendations of people being like, I actually enjoy this. You may too. Yeah, yeah. It really wasn't that bad. I mean, <laughs> come on now. Nat didn't listen to an episode last week. Oh, so, which one? Uh, probably Nat, her girlfriend. Oh. Uh... 
Um, I can't remember. Maybe Colts? I don't know. I still think Brains. Oh, I love that episode. Yeah, Brains was good. Brains was great. Although our swearing is off the chisorts in that episode. The chisorts. I'm going to yeah. take that. Is that, is that what your mum said, Bob? Yeah, she did. She was oh. like, tone it down. It was off the chisorts. <laughs> uh, is, is your mum a 90s rapper? So we've done a lot of rate, re- review, subscribe, subscribe. Yeah. Done the begging. We've done our begging for the week. And do yeah. some artwork, guys. Come on. It's literally psychologically evidence to help improve your well-being. So craft it along with it. us and show us what you got because you don't need to be embarrassed. I will have set the bar low. You're okay. <laughs> Yeah, one time I did a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> and made a lot of swirls out of paper. So Yeah, yeah. I made up. If you want to just make swirls, just make swirls because that counts. All yeah, right. Do it. Yeah, make swirls. But if you do make any artwork, please let us see. Hashtag Weirding Hour on Instagram. So I guess all that's left to say now is thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Spread the weird. Okay, love you. Bye.